treasure in heaven. That phrase stood out in my mind, and it invited me in to a deeper investigation of what life will be like in eternity. I mean, will the experience of eternal life be a generic one? Will it be the same for each of us who's born again? I mean, after all, eternity is forever. So, is there anything we can do here and now that will have an effect, have an influence on what we experience forever? I think that's a question worth pursuing. Now, here's how it all started for me. My husband and I were on a trip to Israel with a large group of people from our church. And we, it was this particular afternoon that we're up near the Sea of Galilee. And we're sitting on a hillside overlooking that big body of water, probably very near to where Jesus had delivered the Sermon on the Mount. And our pastor was teaching from Matthew chapter 6. And that little instruction in verse 19 said to lay up treasure in heaven. That captured my heart and my mind. It kind of planted a seed. And I wanted to know what this was and how to do it. I had always wanted to serve God well and to glorify Him. But I knew that day that I had heard something in that message, in that moment, that had the potential to be life-changing, something that could make my life count forever. I'm Kelly J. Grace, and you're listening to Divine Connections, a podcast about connecting the truth you believe to the life you really live. This is Episode 11, Make Your Life Count Forever. Once I was home from that trip, I really began searching through the scriptures to see what I could discover about heaven and about eternal life. What would it be like? And were there more passages that talked about the relationship between how we live now and our experience once we're in heaven? So once again, I'm going to give you the takeaway truth or the lesson right up front. And it is this, what you do today and each day of your life, and more importantly, why you do it, can and will affect your experience of heaven for all eternity. Now, beyond our salvation, the Bible talks about rewards for faithful service, and that service flows out of a heart that's set on God's kingdom and his righteousness. I mean, we know that salvation is to, comes to us as a gift of God. But after we are born again, this whole idea of us becoming servants of God, as the apostles and the early disciples all called themselves a servant of God, that idea comes into play here. And I think in modern America, we have forgotten that. We've turned this around, and we often view God as someone who comes into our lives to be our servant, not the other way around, not that we got invited into what he's doing, that we might have a chance to take part in his plan and purpose. We, I think we have this thing upside down from what it's supposed to be. But back to the Sermon on the Mount 
In that message, in particular, Jesus is teaching those who already believe in him how to live in this life with an eye on the life to come. And so he says this, and this is in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, he had already talked about not seeking the approval of man or doing religious things publicly in order to be thought of as super spiritual. So in case you don't know, the Sermon on the Mount, you can find it in Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7, a long message that Jesus gives. But in this particular portion of it, he's now going to tell us clearly what we should be focused on. And he tells us what to treasure, what to value. He goes right to the heart of what motivates you and I throughout life, which is usually our creature comforts. And again, that constant human desire for more. But instead, he tells us, don't focus on those things. Here's what I want you to seek instead. This is Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Jesus says, therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So as I said, Salvation is the free gift of forgiveness and redemption through the saving work of Christ on the cross. It's by grace, and it comes through faith. It is not of our works. But Christian service, the act of offering ourselves, as Romans says, as living sacrifices, day after day, presenting ourselves and the members, that's the word that speaks about you know, like our hands, our mouth, our body parts, offering them up to God as instruments of righteousness, that Christian service, that act of offering ourselves as living sacrifices day after day to serve God and to advance his kingdom, that kind of service carries with it the promise of a reward. Now, the need of the non-believer is salvation. But the privilege extended to every believer is the opportunity to live a life of service, a life that's dedicated to seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, a life where God's priorities become our priorities. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm talking about going into the ministry or um about taking some kind of job in a church or with an organization or even following a calling. I'm talking about everyday life for every single believer in Jesus Christ. So here's a goal that you and I can have every single day of our life. And this comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. It says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, 
to be well-pleasing to him, meaning to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, a lot of people listen to that or hear that kind of verse and think that this is talking about a works-based salvation. It's not. This is talking about an aim or an intention with your life to be pleasing to God. And this judgment seat that this speaks of, this is the judgment seat of Christ. This is also known as the Bema seat. It comes from that time when the Greeks had the Olympics. Remember, they were the originators of that. And it is not so much a seat of judgment. In fact, it's not that at all in the sense of condemnation, but it is a place of recognition. This is literally um, the arena where a winner would receive an, a, a reward um, to be crowned with that wreath of olive leaves. This is that kind of experience. That's what this is talking about. The judgment seat of Christ is a place where those of us who have run the race that the scripture talks about that you and I are given, we are to run this race with endurance. That is the place where we are rewarded for our faithfulness, for our service, for our endurance, so to speak, in the Christian life. Now, throughout the Bible, we are reminded that God observes our lives and keeps a record of our service, of our good deeds, of our faithfulness to him. I don't know if you've ever heard this little passage. This is from the very last book of the Old Testament called Malachi. And I love this because it does show this truth runs throughout scripture. Malachi 3, 16 to 18 says this, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make up my jewels, and I will save them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Another passage, Revelation fourteen thirteen says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Now, at the core of this kind of truth is that spiritual principle of sowing and reaping, that whatever we sow, we will also reap. And you'll find that in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. In this passage says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he also will reap. He who sows to his flesh or living, you know, a carnal life, only concerned about um, his life, his creature comforts, as we talked about earlier, someone who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, 
for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Wow. So you and I have an opportunity to do good to the household of faith, or Jesus said to the poor whom we always have among us, to the stranger, to our enemies. We have a lifetime of opportunity to respond to needs, both spiritual and physical. So again, the question is, what are we doing with our life? Now, this idea of laying up treasure in heaven, this is also tied with another principle, and that is how we actually are living and what we're doing with our life and the gifts we have. And the I'm going to share with you a passage from 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of construction or of building something to help you and I understand how to view our lives in light of eternity. The Corinthians, as you maybe remember, were pretty immature spiritually. They had all kinds of trouble, and uh, they just hadn't grown enough in the Lord yet. But one of their problems also was that they had this division among themselves of, you know, one group supporting one Bible teacher or minister, and then another group supporting somebody else. So that's kind of the context in which Paul is going to teach them a larger truth about the potential that we all have to make our lives count for eternity. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 15. Paul says, well, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one of you? In other words, he's saying, we're just people. We've come here, we've had a message from God to give to you, but we're just people. I planted, but Apollos watered, but it's God who gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters, are they're one, they're the same, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Now, I want you to get that as Paul is saying, you know, as human beings, we have an opportunity to be God's fellow workers. We work in collaboration, so to speak, with God. We do this thing. We carry a message. I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gave the increase. I just want that thought planted in your mind, that whatever you're doing on any given day, at any given moment, it can be that you are using what God has given you. You're using the energy. Maybe you're using your mind. Maybe you're doing something that actually is um, linked spiritually, like you're teaching, sharing a verse with a friend. You are teaching your own children. You're at a prayer meeting you're at a Bible study, whatever, but it it can, whatever it is, the idea is that there's a partnership available to us to work with God in his kingdom. Now, let's go on. He says in verse 10, 
according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, so again, the idea that our lives are built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. And that means that you and I as Christians or followers of Christ, we model his behavior, but we also are to have the same purpose and value that he had. He came to do a work in building the kingdom of God, to call out his church, right? To um, do the work he had come to do of acquiring salvation for you and for me by his own offering of himself on the cross. So the foundation has been laid in Jesus Christ. But Paul says, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold and silver and precious stones or wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. Now, that's the other take-home point I want to sear into your mind is that there is a day coming for each of us when what we did with our lives will become clear. It will become clear to us whether or not we took that foundation of Jesus Christ and built with gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw. He says each one's work will become clear for the day And in my Bible, that word day is capitalized. It is a day of reckoning, so to speak. It will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer the loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, I want you to, you know, take out of your mind any thoughts of judgment in terms of a payment or a reckoning for your sin. This particular day and this particular judgment, this test of the way we lived our lives after we came to know Christ is about what we did with our time, with our energy, with our mind, with whatever um, spiritual growth we had had at any given point, did we use it for God's purposes or have we really lived our lives only for ourselves? As remember, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or whatever. Those things the Gentiles seek, what he's saying is people who don't know God, their purposes are all wrapped up in the things of this life, in temporal things, in carnal things. As believers, you and I are supposed to be all wrapped up in spiritual things, in the things of the kingdom of God. Um. That's what this day will tell, is it will test what we did with our lives. And I'm telling you now, again, I'm sharing 13 
life-changing lessons I've learned in 50 years of walking with Jesus. I've shared with you about lessons, how to quit any sin. I said I used that all the time. I said I learned that God was for me, that that lesson gave me such comfort and put me on a basis of walking in grace. And yet this lesson, learning that I have an opportunity every single day to lay up treasure in heaven, this verse has changed many, 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 many days in my life. It's caused me to not pursue things I wanted maybe to pursue for myself, but instead to pursue what I believe can further the kingdom of God. I mean, stop and think about it. You're listening to a podcast that I'm making. I could do a million other things besides doing this, although I'm having fun. And that's the other thing I want to tell you. If you can wrap your mind around this, if you can get on board with the fact that you have an opportunity to partner with the true and living God in every single day of your life and make your life count for something, make it count forever. I mean, the whole rest of the world, the Gentiles, as Jesus would say, or people who don't really know God, they're seeking significance and meaning in life. I'm telling you, there is no significance and no meaning greater than doing something that God wants you to do, <laughs> doing something that flows into his priorities, his purposes, that it centers in the kingdom of God instead of in this life that is so transitory, so full of futility, so vain in its emptiness of anything really important. So I just want to tell you, if you're at all bored with your life, especially with your Christian life, this is what's wrong. You are trying to live in both worlds. You're trying to be a Christian, but live a life that's centered in this world. You and I are never as happy, never as blessed as when we get completely on board with what God's doing. So now I want to share with you, these are the key truths in that passage there in Corinthians that I just read. And the first one is that it is God that gives the increase. You and I, whatever we do, we're like the sower in the parable Jesus taught. We can sow all kinds of different ways, but it's only God who can give the growth. But that right there, that is the key. You and I have an opportunity to do something and then watch God take it and make something of it. Watch him do something spiritual in someone's life. Maybe you share a verse and you see, you literally see the light go on and you watch God speak into a human heart his divine truth and they awaken to their need of Christ and you get the opportunity to pray with them to accept Christ as their savior. I mean, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. If you've never done that, especially, I want to say, with my own kids, with your own children, the opportunity to lead them to Christ, there's, there is no greater day. I mean, we take videos of their first steps. That is the big step. When a child that you're raising, that God gave you to raise, wants to know how Jesus can be their Savior too. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. So 
It is an amazing reality that you and I can be God's fellow workers, just like Paul, just like Apollos. We can share the truth. We can shine our light brightly. We can minister to fellow believers. There's an unending opportunity to serve God by serving others. And as I just mentioned, don't forget those in your own family, your spouse, your children, your parents. In fact, anybody that God brings into your sphere of life, you can and you should invest your time, your energies, and your spiritual gifts in ministering to them. Now, the next thing was that second key truth in this is that the foundation is always Jesus Christ. It is the work he accomplished on the cross that resulted in you and I becoming a new creation in Christ. That's the foundation. It's good to give to the poor, but wouldn't you also want to share with them the good news of God's love for them or Christ's death for their sins? So Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the starting point for our service to anyone and to everyone. But what will we build on that foundation? You know, the truth is you and I get to choose what we do with the new life we have in Christ. It's a new life that's been given to us, and we have an opportunity to choose. So what does Paul say our choices really surround? They surround what we're going to build with. And he says, be careful to choose the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Now, what do those three things have in common? All of them are purified by fire. Then the other option is wood, hay, and stubble. What do they have in common? They're all consumed by fire. So we have the chance to decide whether the days of our lives will amount to something or will be consumed into nothingness. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. If anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, and that means a loss of the reward, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, I just, I want to go back to one point that it's easy to miss in this. This reward is a reward forever. It doesn't you aren't going to use it up, okay? And the loss, the loss of reward, that loss is also forever. We have an opportunity now, by faith, to listen to the words of Jesus when he said, and it's what I told you really started this for me, sitting there on that hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee and hearing those words again, closing my eyes and thinking about Jesus speaking them 2,000 years before to real people who had watched his ministry. And he's saying to them, and the words carry down through the centuries to you and to me, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust come in and corrode it and where thieves break in and steal it, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. It is an appeal 
from Jesus Christ to you and I to make our lives count for eternity, to make a difference. And in that, you and I have the opportunity to receive a reward. Now, what that will be, this is where the scripture gets vague. The Apostle Paul talks about crowns. You know, there a crown is given to him and to all who've been faithful, he says. And we see in the book of Revelation that they cast their crowns down at his feet as a form of praise. Well, that's about all we know about that. The rest of it, we do not know. But one thing we know is that Jesus gave us a challenge, didn't he? He posed an opportunity, a potential for you and I, that we could spend our lives in a way that will accrue to what he calls treasure in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want that. I don't want my days here to be wasted days, to be days that are wood, hay, and straw that will just be consumed by that fire. No, 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 no. I want something that results in a reward. I want something that proves to have been valuable and enduring. If your intention, if your heart's motivation is really to serve God, then he's going to show you how to do this. And I'm not saying you aren't going to work at a regular job or whatever, take your kids to soccer practice. I'm just saying that the why of your life is that you want to honor and glorify God. You want to serve him. So again, as I said, Paul spoke about crowns of rewards, and then Jesus taught of that parable of the talents in Matthew 25, and he says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who goes away to a far country, but he gives to his servants these talents, or a certain amount of money, really, and he gives to one ten and to another five and to another one, and he goes off. And when he comes back, then there's a reckoning, isn't there? And the picture is just the very same picture that we have of this judgment seat. And what Jesus says is to the one who had 10, he said, here, I've taken it and I've made more with it. And Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little. You'll also be ruler over much. And in some versions, it says you'll be ruler over cities. So and again, we have no real idea. I mean, commentators speculate what this means. But the idea is that somehow you and I garner for ourselves um, greater opportunities and roles throughout eternity by our faithfulness here and now. How that all works out, I don't pretend to know. But I do, I always fall back on what Abraham said about God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He wouldn't hold out this potential to us unless it was worth our, not just our consideration, but us changing the way we live, realigning our focus. You know, as far as I can see, this is like the ultimate choose your own adventure kind of book. What we do here, the choices we make right now with our time and our energy and our gifts are actually fashioning our future experience of heaven and of eternity. You and I can make our lives count forever 
or we can squander the opportunities. We can hide our talents. We can hoard our gifts. We can serve ourselves instead of serving God. But when we see our lives filled with potential for the kingdom of God, we live differently. We have different values, different motivations, different ideas of what success actually looks like. And those things set us apart from the world because our focus is on pleasing God instead of living for ourselves. You know, I just would ask you the question, are you in agreement with God about your life? And if you say, well, I don't know, how does that, what do you mean by that? Let me just share with you, this is Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or a bushel basket, but instead on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, Jesus does not want a single one of us to miss this message. He is stating very clearly God's intention for our lives, to put the light on display, to let the salt season what we say and impart grace to others, to create in them a hunger for the things of God. You know, one day each of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let's make it our aim to be there that day without regret. I promise you, if you make it your aim to please God, He will fill your days with opportunity, and He will fill your heart with joy as you have that sense that you are partnering with Him in the work of the kingdom. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would help us to realign our priorities and to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to be salt and light. Lord, you know we live in a culture. We live in a world that tries to pull us really inside our own selves to make ourselves the most important and to to take away from us the vision of what you're doing, the greater thing that we've been called into. Lord, you called Noah to build that ark, and you called Moses to lead the children of Israel. Lord, you called David from watching the sheep to guide all of the house of Israel. And you've called each of us out of darkness into the light. So I pray that you would show us how to lay up treasure in heaven, how to live lives that count for eternity because we gave them to you day by day by day. I pray, Father, that you help us to begin at home with our own families and then move outward 
to our friends, to neighbors, to those we work with, and to anyone that you bring across our path. Lord, I pray you would bless our gifts. I pray you would stretch our time. You'd increase our energy to fit it to the tasks that you have for us. I pray that you would remind us that in you, Lord, our labors are never in vain, but they will carry with them an eternal reward. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, and you can find resources for your spiritual journey on my website at kellyjgrace.com. And now next time, now that I've got you all pumped up here to lay up treasure in heaven, next time I'm going to share with you really how to power up your life. We're going to talk about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I will see you then.